0: Hi, welcome to topic 5.2, which is the, um, the cause of uh, basically revolutions that happened during this time period uh, and the effects of those revolutions and also the rise of nationalism during this time. Now this is so large of a topic because we got a bunch of revolutions to cover and also the rise of nationalism that I'm bringing it into two parts as far as um, the reading and as far as the podcast. So let's start with topic 5.2, part one. The overall question in this, you guys, is how did the Enlightenment shape the intellectual intellectual and ideological thinking that affected reform and revolution after 1750? Basically, what role did the Enlightenment play in all of this, okay? Struggles for power took place within England before 1750. In 1685, James II became king of England. James was a Catholic and his anti-Protestant measures enraged many English people. A group of nobles invited William of Orange, who was James's nephew and son-in-law, to invade England with an army and become the new king. He agreed, landing in England in 1688. James fled to France, thus avoiding an actual war. In 1689, William and his wife, Mary, who was James' daughter, yes, that means they were cousins. I know that's gross. Anyway, William and Mary were cousins, yeah. Began to, uh, began their joint rule of England. Both William and Mary were Protestant, and the English throne remained in Protestant hands after that. English people called this revolt the Glorious Revolution or Bloodless Revolution, since, you know, James had fled to France, there was no fighting. William and Mary were forced to sign the English Bill of Rights to get the throne, a document which limited the power of the king, which strengthened the power of of Parliament, which is their Congress, like, you know, their lawmakers. That revolution took place without much violence, but religious tensions continued in England and throughout much of the world. Now I know we've gone over that a couple times in readings, so make sure that you know that revolution, the Glorious Revolution.
1: The American Revolution, the ideals
0: that inspired the American Revolution had their roots in the European Enlightenment philosophy. The economic ideas of Adam Smith also played a part in the American Revolution, providing a defense of free market ideas in, uh, opposition to English mercantilism. Additionally, the American colonists had become increasingly independent politically. Colonial legislatures were making decisions usually made by Parliament. Moreover, great distances separated the colonists from Parliament and the king in London. With economic and political desires for independence, uh, with economic and political desires for independence grew a, a new social sphere. On July 4, 1776, the Declaration of Independence expressed the philosophy behind the colonists' fight against British rule. In the document, Thomas Jefferson picked up the phrase unalienable rights, which are rights you cannot take away. He picked that up from John Locke. For Jefferson, these rights were life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as opposed to property. In effect, the Declaration of Independence wanted to break away from a monarchy. In the war that followed, the colonists triumphed in 1783 with crucial help from the uh, from Britain's longtime enemy, France. Notice that I'm bolding certain things. I'm bolding the documents and also what those documents did. Okay. French Revolution. This is much more convoluted, so make sure you follow along with this. In France, in the 1780s, revolutionary ideals took on their own spin, summarized in Logan, uh, the slogan "Liberté, Égalité, et Fraternité," which means liberty, equality, and fraternity, which also means brotherhood. These ideas which struck many people as radical were popularized throughout Europe in the writings of the philosophers, you know, the philosophers. However, additional causes led to the French Revolution. France had long spent more than it was taking in, partly to finance a series of wars. Among the spending was the economic aid that France supplied the Americans in their revolution. To address its financial situation, the French government called a meeting of the Estates General in spring of 1789. Three sectors of society or estates made up the estates general, the clergy, religious officials, the nobility, and the commoners. However, inequality in voting caused the commoners who made up approximately 97 or 98 percent, is what Heimler says, somewhere around there, the commoners made up 97 or 98 percent of the French society, and it caused them to break away and form a new body, the National Assembly, thus beginning the French Revolution. So all you have is three different groups of society, and they all come together for a meeting. Their representatives come together for a meeting, and the one that makes up the biggest part, the poorest people, they break away, and they say, we're gonna form a new government. In the early days of the French Revolution, leaders of the revolution seemed to be on the point of establishing a constitutional monarchy. In other words, a king that has to follow a constitution. The National Assembly began meeting in Paris, but then the king threatened to arrest the leaders. Angry crowds rioted in Paris and elsewhere in France. On July 14, 1789, a crowd in Paris stormed the Bastille, a former prison that symbolized the abuses of the monarchy and the corrupt aristocracy, the aristocracy being the rich people. In the French countryside, peasants rose up against nobles, even burning some manor houses. Some royal officials fled France. The king was forced to accept a new government with a national assembly in charge. The date, July 14, 1789, became French Independence Day. That's the Storming of the Bastille. The most permanent changes were enacted early in the revolution, the evolution of feudalism and the adoption of the Declaration of Rights of Man, a statement declaring basic human rights. Louis XVI and the nobility refused to accept the limited monarchy in the document, again, notice the things in bold, which led to dissatisfaction among radical groups such as the Jacobins, and inspired the establishment of the first French Republic in 1792. The Reign of Terror, a period during which the government executed thousands of opponents of the revolution, including the king and queen, sprang from the Jacobins. After a period of turmoil and war, the brilliant general Napoleon Bonaparte became emperor of France in 1804. Oh, I want you to notice that date, that this is not a very fast revolution. It starts in 1789 and doesn't end until 1804, I mean, it just keeps going, new government, new government, new government. We'll discuss a little bit in class, but realize this is not as cut and dry as uh, the other revolutions you're gonna see, okay? Haitian Revolution. At the end of the 18th century, revolutionary forces were also at work in the rich French sugar and coffee colony of Haiti on the western third of the island of Saint-Domingue, also known as Hispaniola. Enslaved Africans began the rebellion by killing their masters and burning their homes. They were soon joined by the Maroons, individuals who had already escaped slavery in Haiti. The examples of the recent American and French revolutions led formerly enslaved Toussaint L'Ouverture to join the revolts in 1791, and then to lead a general rebellion against slavery. Besides being well-read in Enlightenment thought, L'Ouverture proved to be a capable general, his army of enslaved Africans and Maroons established an independent government and played the French, Spanish, and British against each other. And the French were a little bit busy at this point fighting the revolution that we just talked about. In
1: 1801,
0: after taking control of the territory that would become the independent country of Haiti, the Overture produced a constitution that granted equality and citizenship to all residents. He also declared himself governor for life. Haiti next enacted land reform. Plantations were divided up, with the lands being distributed among formerly enslaved and free black people. Leo Mature worked with the French, but they betrayed and imprisoned him. He died in France in 1803, but he had cemented the abolition of slavery in Haiti, which he set on the road to independence from France. In 1804, Leo Mature's successor, Jean Jacques Dessalines, or Dessalines, Orchestrated a Haitian declaration of permanent independence. Thus, Haiti became the first country in Latin America to win its independence, uh, and the first black-led country in the Western Hemisphere. It was also the only country to become permanently independent as a result of a slave uprising. If you compare the Haitian and French Revolution, both Haiti and French, uh, both the Haitian and French revolutions grew out of the Enlightenment's insistence that all men had natural rights as citizens and that legal restraints were limiting the freedom of people by forcing them into various estates or social classes. However, in the case of the Haitians, the restraints were more severe. The rebellion was led by people who had no rights at all since it was a slave rebellion. All right, so that's the first part. Uh, make sure you understand each one of these revolutions. If you look at the questions, uh, questions one through four, are covered by those questions. And actually, the last question as well, where you kind of have to take everything together. Um, There's also the New Zealand Revolution, which I did not put in the reading make sure that you go through Heimler's uh, history to understand that revolution. And he kind of simplifies everything else that we just talked about. Okay, there you go.